podcast dedicated to the ongoing discovery of how we can all be a part of bigger social change through the lens of the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Puya Porak. I'm an industrial engineer, yogi, and CEO of MatchNice, a social impact tech startup with a mission to connect the nonprofit ecosystem and maximize social impact. Right now, we're working to launch a new kind of impact-centric fundraising platform that empowers nonprofits and donors to tie online donations directly to social impact. Join us on our startup journey as we look to uncover and shake up the status quo in the world of nonprofits. Here it is. It's the first episode of the Nonprofit Lab. You're listening to it. And this is the part where I'm supposed to hit you with the hook. The thing that piques your interest and curiosity and makes you want to keep listening. It's kind of an important moment, isn't it? Well, if I'm completely honest with you, I'm a little nervous about starting this podcast. And sometimes I feel like an imposter because I'm not an expert in the nonprofit space. So consider this episode more as a prelude, the story of why I'm starting this podcast in the first place. Well, you know, I think that most people face some degree of imposter syndrome in their careers, no matter how successful or accomplished they are. As a first-time founder and outsider to the nonprofit sector, it's definitely something I've been facing, especially with getting this podcast off the ground. But what's been helping me let go of these unproductive feelings of momentary doubt is the recognition that being outsiders has actually been one of the biggest strengths as a co-founding team of three. We've fully embraced our nonprofit, non-experthood with a beginner's mindset and let it amp up our curiosity for the last three years. It's led us to ask the real experts questions that may seem obvious uncover major insights organically, and build a practical understanding of the nonprofit sector as a whole. It's allowed us to clearly see the status quo of donor-centric fundraising, impact measurement, and online donation experiences, and so much more. It's given our team the creative freedom to think of realistic solutions without institutional bias or limitations. I realize that I can't just let go of imposter syndrome, but I can certainly reframe my relationship with it. I can acknowledge that it's a thing that exists, keep putting it into perspective, and continue using it as a catalyst to spur positive action. Whenever I found myself in a bout of momentary doubt, I remember that what we're building, our mission and the dream that we're chasing at MatchNice is way bigger than me or any one individual. And that feels good. So let me tell you the story of how I fell in love with the nonprofit space after spending seven years of my career working in the private sector and the last three 
in consulting for the government and public sector. It's taken me years of introspective work to describe my inner purpose as connecting with and helping others. I've found that whenever I'm able to create an alignment between my inner purpose and my outer purpose, what I'm doing in the world, I find that I always have wind in my sails, even through the heaviest storms. In the private sector, I was able to do this by elevating people's overall experiences with brands through customer experience. And in consulting for government, I reflected my inner purpose by putting people's needs at the heart of how government designs and delivers digital solutions through human-centered design. In both these cases, I had to find a way to fit my work to align with my self-described inner purpose. But with MatchNice, with my startup, it's the first time that I'm getting to create something new directly from that purpose, and that feels really good and exciting too. So how'd the idea for MatchNice spark? I've always wanted to start my own company and I've had plenty of ideas before that just ended up falling flat after a bit of further research, like, oh, someone's already doing this or finding some other fatal flaw to getting this thing or idea executed it into market. It's really difficult to just sit there and try to come up with an idea for a company. What you hear most often from startup founders is that their idea was born out of some situation, circumstance, or necessity. So let me tell you about how I came to my aha moment with MatchNice. So a few years ago, I was volunteering pretty regularly at Beat the Streets Philadelphia, a youth sports nonprofit focused on helping underserved youth through the sport of wrestling, mentorship, and academics. And actually, one of my first nonprofit leader guests you'll hear from will be Ben Ryder, the executive director of Beat the Streets National. So while I was volunteering at the Beat the Streets Mentoring Center, I had to come to terms with the fact that a four-year college education wasn't always the best next step for every kid. And it was a really tough pill for me to swallow. It bothered me because I'm a direct beneficiary of higher education, unlocking doors to opportunities throughout my career. Yeah, you could say everyone, every kid should go to college. It's an obvious path to growth. But what's not talked about as much is how thousands of kids go to paper mill institutes because they were told to graduate with thousands of dollars in debt and are left shackled financially in a bigger hole without a clear path forward. There's Definitely a lot to unpack in what I just said. So let's save that as another topic for another episode. Well, I'm a big believer in the idea that if you come up with a problem, if you present a problem to someone, you better also try to come up with some kind of solution. Don't just be that guy that points out the problems but never does anything about it. So I started doing some research and came across this other nonprofit organization called Year Up, 
whose mission is to close the opportunity divide. And they had an office in Philadelphia, like, whoa, all right, what's this about? So what Year Up does is they take 18 to 24-year-olds with or without college degrees, provide them with free job training and tuition, and place them in internships across multiple academic areas like information technology, sales, and customer support, software development, and so much more. And they don't stop there. They give their students the resources and a platform to connect with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies for internships leading to a new career path. That's when it clicked. I was like, okay, here's a partnership that makes sense between Beat the Streets and Year Up. We can create a new avenue for these kids that aren't planning on going to college right after high school. So naturally, I made a connection between these two nonprofit organizations, and that's the click. That was the aha moment. I said, wait, what if we saw the nonprofit ecosystem as a charitable supply chain? And with over one and a half million nonprofits in the US alone, how might we optimize that system to maximize impact? You see, there's this concept in supply chain optimization that if you have a network of processes all working to produce one thing, for example, think of a factory with multiple divisions all working together to try to produce this one widget. Well, if each division is self-maximizing their interest, their piece of the process, well then the overall system output will be lower. Lower than if each division took a step back and instead of doing what maximized their part of the process, did what maximized the output of the whole system. It's this selfless collective approach focused on the whole that can maximize system output. But it requires us to take that step back, to see the big picture, and not just do what makes us as the individual players the hero, but places the emphasis on what's best for the overall system. Thus was born the Match Nice mission, to connect the nonprofit ecosystem and maximize social impact. Yeah, I know, it sounds really broad, but we're dreaming big. It's a massive aspiration of ours. And over the last three years, we've been captivated by this question and have been on a journey of discovery in the nonprofit sector. I met with nonprofit leaders, folks working for some of the biggest foundations and organizations that focus on nonprofit partnerships and started asking questions to understand why more nonprofits aren't partnering up. I learned very quickly that there are a lot of stars that need to come into alignment for nonprofit partnerships to work out. It's not the case for every nonprofit, but certainly for the majority. You've got things like ego getting in the way. Oh, this is my baby. I'm not going to let go of this. I'm not going to let you in into my sandbox. You've got risk. Oh, well, what happens if this partner does something to get us in legal trouble? What happens to our brand? You've got competition for funds. 
oh, what if they take funds away from my organization? What if my big donors move their money to this other nonprofit? You have so many complex factors that go into nonprofits wanting to self-maximize their organization and their mission in lieu of taking this collaborative ecosystem approach to making progress towards solving some of the world's toughest social issues. I realized after all these conversations with leaders in the nonprofit space that this was going to be way too big of a problem to chew on right off the bat. Our mission to connect the nonprofit ecosystem and maximize social impact, therefore, is the peak of the mountain. And I had to come up with and build a base camp first to prepare and set up for success on this epic journey to reach the summit of our mission. So let me tell you, starting a company on your own can be really hard. It can be a really grueling process. You're often left to your own thoughts, doubts. You're in an echo chamber of excitement and constant self-administered pressure to make things come to life. On your own, hitting roadblocks can feel like smacking into a brick wall. All the while, juggling a full-time job and flying around the country, living in a hotel as a consultant was wearing me thin. The fire to start Match Nice was still there, of course. It never went out. But there were definitely moments where that flame would flicker. My biggest internal conflict in the one year as a solo founder was always wanting to make this dream come to life, but feeling like I was hamstrung. Thankfully, I was never really alone. Besides my wife and a couple of mentors, there was someone who was there for my aha moment. Someone who saw the excitement and passion I had for this match nice dream. And whenever I found myself in a slump, there was always some kind of check-in to see how it was coming along. An inspirational nudge to keep going, a piece of news or an article that underscored the importance of what I was working on. Someone who kept adding fuel to my fire in pursuit of my social impact startup dreams. Meet the very funny, sometimes theatrical, master of organization, my first co-founder, COO of Match Nice, and good friend, Madeline Hendry. Hi, Madeline. How are Hello. you? I am great. I actually just got my office set up in my new house finally, and I'm really enjoying the vibe. Nice little logo you got there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's my only art in here. Um, most important thing first, you know. Well, Madeline Hendry, tell us about yourself. Well, I am from the Philadelphia area. I grew up in a place called Flower Town, um, which is like the baking flower, uh, just north of Philadelphia. And um, just in my personal life, I've always been a singer. A lot of music is a big part of my life. Um, I went to college to uh, wanted to do music videos. I have made a lot of music videos in high school. 
Um, I was a, in the church choir as a kid. I did a cappella. Now I sing in a gospel choir um, pre-pandemic and try to get in as much karaoke as I can. Um, that's that's always been a big part of my life. But other things, uh, just to paint a picture of me, um, I'm really it, I, I'm very nostalgic, family focused person. Um, I really like to spend time with my loved ones, my family. I like to take pictures, make photo albums, document everything. Um, and, and my husband, Ian, and I love to go out and try different types of food. And Puya, as you know, uh, we are huge fans of beer. Uh, during the pandemic, when we lived down the street from each other, we spent a lot of time uh, sitting and trying, trying new beers on the stoop in Philly. So um, that's, that's me, me as a person. Uh, but as far as my career thus far, I've done a lot of different things. Um, my work has taken me all around the world with sports teams and Hollywood directors and into intimate theaters full of all these powerful women, um, playground construction projects in Philadelphia. And uh, Puya, when we met in going into the trenches of revenue operations um, for sales and marketing teams in the software world, um, and I'm also um, working on that selling hardware um, as well for, for lighting projects and things like that. So there's always been a common thread um, of bringing information together and keeping things organized um, and just making things happen, you know, events, operations, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, and I definitely consider myself um, an ideas guy, I guess. Um, so I suppose the desire to start and build a business um, has always been there as well. So I'm, I'm, you know, just thrilled to get to flex that muscle um, working on Match Nice with you. Love it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that we've known each other now for close to coming on five years, I think, right? That's so crazy. It is wild. It so, feels like a lot longer. <laughs> does it? <laughs> so, Madeline, what, what do you actually remember about the first time that we met and started working together like, oh. before Match Nice? Yeah, um, well, we were both working at the same software company and we were in totally different roles. Um, and I think we both I think we both went full time on the same day. Like I remember there being an announcement that was like Puya and Madeline. Um, but we didn't work together immediately. Um, and then I remember one day uh, my boss pulled and I think your boss too, uh, pulled us into a room together and was like, Madeline and Puya, you guys are going to launch our go-to-market strategy. And we were both like, well, what's a go-to-market strategy? <laughs> um, but that's what started this awesome relationship between, um, between us of just figuring stuff out. Um, you know, I think we're both like super tenacious and curious and we both um, strive for excellence. And so we're able to produce like just awesome stuff when we're working through problems and and working stuff out together yeah i that's that's awesome it's it's funny that same person that pulled us together and we, we started working together is now and and was the first person on our board of advisors and yes uh, i know i know he's uh we'll have to we'll have to see we'll have to get him on uh one of these episodes soon but, yeah um, he's been amazing for us so you were there. You were there when I first had the spark for Match Nice. And I remember we were having a one-on-one -on -one and I was like, dude, we're in our prime right now. Like we need to be doing something that reflects our best selves. Do you, do you remember that conversation? What were your thoughts about the vision 
and mission for Match Nice at that time, like that very beginning? Well, um, I don't remember you saying that, um, but we have we, we talked about Match Nice a lot. Um, we had a lot of um, one-on-one sessions together. Uh, you were my boss, and we you established I'd never had it previous jobs, those one-on-one conversations um, as part of like our regular practice um, at work. So we talked a lot about what we were doing in our personal life and then also catching up on work. So um, when we talked about Match Nice and those one-on-one conversations, I know that it was right around that time that I was starting to explore the path that I wanted to take in my own career. And I knew that it, I wanted it to be something focused in social impact. I just didn't really like, I didn't know exactly what yet. Um, so when you told me about match nice, I latched onto that, um, just cause I loved, I loved talking about social impact, learning about it and chatting, um, with you because we were both learning about it, you know, like, like you said, we're not experts in that space, in this space, but we want to be uh, part of the solution. So I, you know, I just remember being like, yeah, you know, we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And a quick note about those one-on-ones I've had a lot of different managers throughout my career. I worked for Delta airlines for seven years. And when I was there, I had the full spectrum of the styles of one-on-one meetings, the manager who is all up in your business, like really micromanaging and didn't care a damn, like didn't care at all about what you were, what was going on in your personal life to like the other person who was like, tell me about your dreams and like (laughs) invested in my personal success. And, you know, I, I was really privileged to kind of get a flavor for all of these different styles of, of management. And when we first started working together, it was an opportunity for me to kind of put that into my own style. And what I learned throughout that was like every one-on-one relationship was different. And I feel like we were able to, to click pretty, pretty quickly. And, um, you know, we'll have to do an episode about match nice values and our culture of like openness and bringing your whole self and vulnerability and all that at some point. But, um, about the same time that we were, we were just kicking off these conversations about match nice. It was interesting because I remember you were doing some introspective work of your own. Remember that little email you sent to your close friends asking for feedback about your strengths and all these other questions to help you hone in on what your purpose is? I remember my response at the end of that, but tell me tell me what that process was like for you. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I I wish I could say that that exercise helped me more. <laughs> um, it was great to get answers from people because it's really hard to um, to take a bird's eye view of yourself and try to understand your purpose. I think it's you know you've we've talked about this before, but it's something that uh, you personally I know it's a constant exercise. You have to be working on it all the time. Um, but I do think that, that from that exercise and just from the introspective work I've done and looking back at my career and the things that I've done, um, I do think that something that really drives me is the desire to make people's lives easier. Um, I really enjoy trying to wrap my hands around a problem and take it apart and then put it back together in a better and simpler way that, that is, you know, just makes a process easier for someone, even if it's something like, building it, like putting a timesheet together, um, taking something that's clunky and just making it a little bit easier for somebody. I mean, really love building like systems and processes like that. So, um, you know, when it comes to match nice fundraising 
as it stands today in the nonprofit world is this colossal thing to wrap our hands around, but I'm really enjoying the journey of trying to understand it better so we can deliver that simpler solution with Match Nice to make people's lives easier. So I think that's that's like a common thread just throughout everything I do. And it kind of, clearly I'm energized shaking my computer all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember my response. Like I, I, I like thoughtfully tried to reply to every one of your questions and at the end, I was just plainly like, I think your purpose in life is just to do good in the world. And how cool that we're now working on this startup together. And, you know, at the time we were just living a few blocks away from each other by coincidence in Philadelphia. I'm in St. Louis now. And I remember um, it was a snowy day. I had asked you out for a lunch at this little coffee shop just across the street. And at that, uh, you know, coffee date, I, you know, echoed and mentioned how important uh, your support and encouragement had been to my startup momentum as a solo founder. And then I asked you to be the co-founder of Match Nights, the first co-founder to help me launch Match Nights. And at the time, I, I couldn't think of anyone else that I trusted more, or felt like could really help make this dream come to life. What, what was that? Like, I've never asked you this, but what was it like <laughs> being asked to be part of a, a startup? Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are very talented and, um, in all different realms. And we, you know, when you, and I'm sure this has happened to you too, and you're all hanging out and talking about ideas. And, you know, like I said, I like, I like talking about ideas and stuff. Um, you know, people will say like, oh, we should start a business. Like, you know, and say, say that kind of same thing that, that you said to me when, when you first were saying like, you know, um, this is like, the time to to be our best selves and and do you know this thing that we're meant to do. Um, so many you know I've heard that before and and kind of been like yeah you know whatever. Um, but when you said it to me, I was like, I think I think we really can. Like like I really think that we can. Um, and and you know if I'm gonna, I, I don't think I even had this as a complete thought yet. But um, I think it was right around. Uh, the time that you asked me was when I realized that my quest for this social impact career path um, was actually match nice. Like it was right around that exact same time that I was like, oh, what I've been looking for is this. And this is this opportunity to like, you know, carve our own path and, and, you know, just do this ourselves. So I think, yeah, just our history of working together and how great that was, um, yeah, I just was like, we really can. And so, uh, yeah, that was very exciting. And it's been cool to like, take the real steps um, to do that. We're making it happen. Making it happen. Got my art, you know? <laughs> I got one more question for you. What excites you about what we're doing and what's been keeping you motivated throughout our startup journey so far? We've all been juggling and balancing our personal lives, a full-time job, and Lord knows a whole bunch of other things going on in lives. But what is that thing that just gets you excited and keeps you going? Yeah, uh, well, first and foremost, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to have nonprofits start using our product. Um, one of the most exciting parts about building Match Nice so far for me has been hearing about nonprofits experiences directly because any success that they talk about, you know, anyone that we've talked to 
any of their successes or any of their um, struggles have all directly impacted how we design the product, right? Like the way that it looked when we first were kind of coming up with the idea. It looks so different now just based off of conversations that we've had with people. Um, so it's a little more meta now because I want to see what our users of our product think of the product. You know, I want them to when in our early conversations, when we would talk to people, we'd be like, rip us apart, you know, like tell us everything that you hate about it so we can make it better. Um, so I'm really excited to just keep iterating on, um, on the product and build something that really works um, to help nonprofits raise more money online um, and share that impact with, of their work with the world. But I mean, <laughs> on an on a operational side, I'm excited um, kind of echoing what you said about your one-on-ones. Um, and, and kind of taking that opportunity to make it your own. I'm just from an operations standpoint as the COO, um, I'm really excited to, to you know, take what I've learned in my career about how to do things right and how to do things wrong and put it together to, to, you know, to make us a really strong company just with a strong backbone like operationally too, so. I'm so lucky to have you as a co-founder. There's no way we'd be where we are now if it wasn't for all the time and support and energy and inspiration and motivation and so much more that you've brought to the team. So thanks so much for joining. I of course. think this is going to be the last time you're on the show. So no, I'll be here again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always here. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, Madeline. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for having me. All right, so I had managed to confirm one co-founder to join the dream, and things were really starting to look up. When I asked Malin to join as a co-founder, I was flying back and forth every week from Philadelphia to Michigan for work, and things were hard. I mean, I'd fly out early on a Monday morning after getting a flight notification on a Sunday morning. That's always fun. Get to the client site that afternoon, work all day, come back to my hotel room, work some more, go to sleep, do it all over again, and then catch a flight back home Thursday late afternoon and get home that night. I absolutely loved what I was doing for work, leading human-centered design for health and human services agencies across the country. But the monotony of going from flight to work to the hotel room back to flying to work was just getting kind of drab for me. That year, I easily made platinum status on Delta and spent over 120 nights in hotels for work. Not exactly what I would consider the sustainable work-life balance I had dreamed of. My outlook on traveling to Michigan all changed, though, when I made friends with this 23-year-old, now 24, whiz kid on the project. I say whiz kid because he's absolutely brilliant. His early career has already led him to work for Apple, Tesla, Deloitte, where we met, and he's now working at one of the best private equity firms out there. So we'd crack jokes with each other at the office, we'd work out after work and hung out regularly and quickly became really good friends. As he likes to say, he's just built different. I'd like to introduce you to my good friend and CTO of Match Nice, Ibrahim Saleh. Hey, Ibe. Hey, Puya. <laughs> I'm good, how about you? 
I said, what's up? <laughs> Don't you hate when people do that? You're like, how are you? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is going great. <laughs> so, Ibrahim, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Ibrahim Salah, uh, born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, oldest of three siblings and son of two Syrian immigrants. Shout out mom and dad, uh, Sama and Mohammed. I am a technology enthusiast. It's the best way to describe it. Uh, never get tired of reading up on emerging technologies, whether it be application or just experimental. I think it's always interesting to read about how the, the world of technology is changing in every industry. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like when I first met you, that was one of the things that like click with me. I'm a first generation American. My parents were born in Iran. I was born in Dubai. I grew up in Finland, moved to the States in 96. And, um, you know, I really, um, kind of like instantly kind of clicked with, with your origin story and like how your parents got to the States. So me and you were playing billiards after work one day, and I'm so glad that we did share, share the story of what happened that night. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, so I believe it was you and I had wrapped up a crazy day of work. We went back to the hotel, obviously had our daily routine of go to the gym, come back and chill. And then we both were kind of bored. So we decided to head over to play some billiards across the street while we were playing where I think we were on like game two or three. I let you win the first couple, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, but I had, uh, I was curious, I asked you, if, if Deloitte was your end game, if you had planned on like a long-term future there, or if there was something else that you wanted to try doing, and then you looked to me and you went, it's funny you asked that. There's actually been something I've been working on for the past year or so. And me obviously being curious, asked what it was, and then you pitched the idea of Match Nice, the intention behind it, the backstory, and you pretty much explained like a startup of sorts. And I thought I'd just share my two cents. I gave you my approach in terms of like how I'd started off in terms of like the tech stack I'd use, et cetera. And you kind of just stared at me after I was done explaining it and uh, asked me if I would want to be CTO. Um, and I immediately was like, yeah, of course, that sounds amazing. Um, and I think I remember like I jumped on it immediately, not because I was tired of the work I was doing, but because obviously like every work experience I've had has been amazing. Um, but there's always like that, that small itch to do more. Um, and yeah, so when, when that opportunity came up, I was like, absolutely, let's, let's hash this out and see what, what can come of it. Yeah. I mean, this is such an epic night. I'll, I'll never forget it either. And, you know, I, I had kind of like a half jokingly thrown out like, well, you know, you could be the CTO of the company just to kind of see how you'd react. And I was so surprised you were a hundred percent down. Like that moment like there wasn't a question there wasn't a doubt and i was like okay this actually might go somewhere so like what was it that just made you like so down so immediately invested and um and like excited about this opportunity Oof. um it honestly it, it kind of goes back to, to my parents uh growing up my parents were, they always put an emphasis on like just humanitarian, like humanitarianism in general. Um, and especially like my uncle as well on my mom's side, like there's a lot of emphasis on doing good, especially when you're fortunate enough to have the ability to do so. 
Um, so growing up, like my parents used to get us involved in, in just supporting the local community. And then I was also going international and supporting refugee camps of sorts, especially during large humanitarian crises. Um, so when this idea of like supporting the nonprofit ecosystem, which is a beast on its own, um, I thought, you know, why not take on the impossible challenge? Seems like a, a pretty good way to, to do good at, at a, a global scale if possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that was just the second like big thing that we really clicked on um, outside of just having a good time. So you mentioned, you know, you've got some really amazing nonprofit volunteering experience under your belt. And I was really impressed to hear about some of the work to could share a little bit more about the, the work that you were doing with refugees and like what that meant to you and maybe how that experience uh, is going to carry with you as you're going onward with us on this journey as the CTO of Matronis. Sure. So the, uh, the first time that I went international for, for that reason, my family and I went to Turkey, specifically Gaziantep. Um, it's a small city on the outskirts of, of Turkey. Um, and this happened shortly after the Syrian crisis and the Syrian revolution occurred. So there's a lot of refugees coming over the border, a lot of refugee camps building up. And my dad was associated with an organization that planned trips to that area to support them, you know, providing medical aid as well as just support in general. So while I was there with my family, my brother and I, we, uh, we got exposed to some people that had gone through so much, it was unbelievable. Um, like you'd see these small shops within the refugee camps where they'd be selling bags of chips and soda and it'd be like five cents. And I'm thinking that's nothing. So I literally pulled out whatever money I had in my wallet. I started just buying them out and then giving it out to people. And all these people just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Um, but just seeing like that perspective, especially like what you can do in that kind of situation just pushed me to, to want to be more involved. That was like a two week experience. And then a few years later, um, I got to actually travel to Dubai, where I got to be involved with um, International Humanitarian City, which is an organization within Dubai that my uncle was associated with. So I got to support them uh, in terms of just promoting like growth of the understanding of humanitarian aid globally. And then a couple of years back, uh, actually the two weeks prior to me joining Deloitte, um, I went to Jordan with my family and we went back to a bunch of refugee camps and supported them in terms of their operations, supporting the families there and just getting them what they needed in terms of medical aid, as well as just support in any way. Um, so having that happen, starting at Deloitte and then a few months later meeting you and then the idea of match nights coming up just felt like event after event after event that just made sense. Hmm. That's awesome. It's, it's kind of funny, like just thinking about the conversation I had with Madeline, like it seems like there's this perfect alignment of timing and kind of introspective work and just life happening that has all led us to come together in a really interesting and kind of beautiful way. Definitely. So Eve, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is one thing that you've taken away from your experience at Apple, Tesla, Deloitte, and now this private equity uh, work that you're doing that you think is making you a better leader for the company? So obviously a lot of diverse experiences there, um, which I value immensely in terms of every opportunity that I was given. It's obviously a few of those roles have helped round me as an individual, but they've also presented opportunities in terms of technological growth, in terms of my understanding of that industry. 
especially playing the role of CTO, that it's not a light role by any means, especially when this era is now like a software centric era, like everything's software, everything's technology based. So I've been using this as an opportunity to grow as much as I can to play the role of CTO as best as possible. And I know that obviously there's no way to be 100% ready, but I can prepare myself as much as possible to play the role as best as I can and then grow from there. Um, no one's a born ready CTO, I don't think. And then transitioning over to this work in the private equity field, it's definitely given me some exposure into the business side of things, which I didn't have much exposure to before. It's mainly been technology centric, focusing on the engineering side um, with mild exposure to the business side. And then this is way more in depth, providing me a lot of insight into how the operations work, how everything comes into play. Um, and I definitely think it's, it's benefiting us, especially conversations that we had over the past few months. It's been really insightful compared to the experiences I had before. Yeah, I, I love what you said about there's not really much you could do to prepare. It's it's kind of like what you hear parents with their first newborns say, say about becoming parents. And, you know, match nice in a way is like our baby. Um, and it's it's very much like that as well. So it's a pretty astute connection to make. So Ibrahim, same last question that I asked Madeline for you. What is it that's exciting you about what we're doing and what's keeping you motivated throughout our startup journey so far. I know you've had some pretty grueling hours with your job right now, and you're putting in the sweat equity on all fronts, personal, professional life. Like what is putting that fuel in your tank? Yeah, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of just me saying to myself that there's always, there's always time, right? There's always time to you know, take a step back and like understand like what's going on in my life, what I need to do as well as just knowing that like, I'm in a stage of my life where I need to be working hard to ensure that I'm getting where I want to be, as well as for Match Nice, be playing the role that I need to play. Um, anytime, you know, my schedule gets crazy, whether it be just lifestyle changes, work, everything, it's a lot of just, you know, taking a step back, looking at myself and saying, you know, there's a lot on my plate right now, but think about when all of this pays off, right? Think about all of these big companies out there that just have these stories of just like crazy grueling hours and like suffering for years and years and years. And I'm like, I we have the privilege of being able to build this up comfortably-ish, <laughs> um, but also while understanding that like we all have our limits, right? Like there have been weeks where I've just been putting are going through a lot and I've been able to depend on you and Madeline. And obviously it's been the same for all three of us. Anytime there's a lot going on, it, it's, it's nice to know that I have the support of you two and that I can take the, the space I need to focus on everything else while also ensuring that I can take a step back from everything else to focus on match nice. That's, that's great. And you know, I, I think that actually might be a good cue to bring Madeline back into the frame here. And you know, maybe we could just like talk about the culture that we're fostering as a team of three. I mean, it's been so cool to have so much influence and shared like creativity and um, heart that's gone into what Match Nice is now. And, you know, I think one of the things that's been really important for me is kind of taking that philosophy of the one-on-one -on -one, uh, whole self approach and bringing it to the company. And, you know, I think there's been 
times for each of us throughout the last couple of years working together where we've all been like tap out, like I got to take a step back. Like, oh, I just had this thing come up and, you know, we're going through a values exercise together right now, but I, I would love to hear from each of you just your thoughts on the, the culture that we are fostering and like how you want that legacy that we're creating now to carry forward for, you know, when we're not a company of three anymore. There's a lot of values that we all share. Um, but I think the one that sticks out to me when I'm just looking back at the time that we spent, especially, you know, when the pandemic first hit and I know all three of us were finding a lot of solace and like purpose in working on match nice, trying to make things better in this world that was like falling apart, which, you know, still happening, uh, but it was newer then, I guess. Um, but I think a big part of what we were building at that time and now what we're building going forward is just that culture of vulnerability. Um, I think that, you know, Ibrahim and I didn't know each other um, before starting Match Nice. Um, and we've actually only met one time in person, um, but I, you know, consider Ibrahim my very close friend. And I think that's because of the, you know, conversations that we've all had with each other, whether it's, um, you know, even just the other day, I think I told you, you guys both that I was like, I don't get this. And I'm, you know, instead of trying to pretend that I get it or go along with it, just just saying like, this is not my strong suit and I need help. Um, that's a huge thing. Uh, just just having that vulnerability and knowing that, you know, it's not going to be ill received. Um, I think that's that's one thing that I think has just knowing that we have that that word in our vocabulary and that we actually really like lean on vulnerability in all different situations, I think has brought us together, but also makes it so that we can have like tough conversations and move through it instead of like just banging our head against the wall. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, one thing that's always bothered me throughout my career is kind of working in a space where everyone has this on off switch of here's my professional self and like everything else about me is just off limits and you don't know me. And, you know, uh, I just, I couldn't get that. And for me personally, I'm my best when I'm able to bring all of me and I'm not trying to, you know, put some part of me in a closet or, uh, some, some other you know thing, but you know, there's also a recognition that, not everyone is comfortable with that. And that is also okay. And I think, you know, creating this culture of inclusivity where there is an opportunity to be vulnerable and open is, is really important, but also not creating this kind of like uh, kumbaya culture of like, everyone share your feelings. Um, but, you know, cre creating real, real moments of kind of genuine connection between each other has been really important. Eve, what are your thoughts? I Growing up, it's been, especially through like my early career, it's it's been a lot of knowing the difference between am I making an excuse or am I being realistic, right? Like, am I am I actually going through a lot or am I just I just get two hours of sleep last night, <laughs> right? So, it's it's a lot of like trying to come up with validity behind the reasoning that you play, and for me, it's been a lot easier to talk it out with you too, especially if like if I'm late to a call or if I text Puya right before and I'm like it's been a long day. I know that the response is either going to be like, let's just hash through this, get through it, and like end the call early so you guys can have an early night and like, you know, 
make up for the lack of sleep you had the night before. Or it can be just Puya text me like, skip this meeting, like we'll talk on Monday. And knowing that we have like that relationship as a team, like I know I can depend on the other two and you guys can depend on all three of us to you know, pick up the slack when like someone just needs a break to take a step back. At the end of the day, we're human, right? Like we can only balance so much. And as the entire world develops over time, I think it's been a common trend of like everyone in general has been taking on more and more on their plate than previous generations, if you think about it. From like a workload to just balancing a lifestyle in general, it's been a lot for a lot of people. And it's essential to actually open up that kind of environment in the workplace where I can comfortably talk to my boss and say, hey, like I need a couple hours or just a day to actually like de-stress, like take a step back because I'm going through a lot. But it's also important to understand that like there's also reasoning when it comes to that, right? Like if you think you're going through a lot, take a step back, analyze what you're going through and figure out like what are the steps you need to take to ensure that this isn't something that happens consistently. Because at the end of the day, mental health, physical health, all of that is an important thing to keep track of. And it's uh, it's something that's not as overlooked nowadays as I think it was beforehand. Love it. So on point. And there's so much more. I, th I think I want to record this values exercise that we're going to do. And maybe we can come back together and kind of share share with the world what we're what we're all about and, and, and how we hope to carry the things that we're saying now, not just as lip service, but as like a true fabric of our culture and Ibrahim and Madeline, I'm so grateful for you both. Thanks for being you always and showing up to this podcast as your authentic selves. And I'm just uh, so excited and grateful to have you guys in my corner and to do this together. I know in the earlier part of the podcast, I said that, you know, the dream is much bigger than me or any one individual, but it's also, it is us. So <laughs> with that, thank you all so much for joining and can't wait to have you all back again on the show soon. Thanks, Puya. Thanks, Puya. Cheers. So between Madeline, Ibrahim, and me, we have this really amazing team dynamic. Here's how a typical brainstorming session or conversation about something might go. I'm usually the one that's like, ooh, big idea. Go, go, go. Here's the next steps. And half the time it clicks and Madeline will jump in and build on the idea and help refine it with even more exciting ones. But the other half of the time, and really actually all the time, she does a really amazing job at pumping the brakes a bit and playing the devil's advocate. What about this consideration? What if this happens? What about that? Have you thought about that? And then we have a good long back and forth trying to find some consensus. And right as we're about to drive each other up a wall, Ibrahim will jump in and he usually sums up what Madeline and I are both trying to get at in a concise one to three sentence statement. Then we move on. It's really a perfect dynamic. We're all bringing our strengths to the table. We all know our tendencies and we play off each other really well as a team. So when we had our first team meeting as a co-founding team of three, Back in February of 2020, we were on a path of building Match Nice as something very different than what it is now. You see, 
right as we were getting going on designing our product, COVID happened. And we were all left wondering how we could be part of the response and helping the world heal. What we saw was COVID pulled back the curtains and revealed some huge issues and needs in the nonprofit sector, many of which we'll be exploring in this podcast. But there was one glaring problem that every nonprofit was losing sleep over at night. What happens to our funding? With volunteers quarantined, donors being more conservative with their giving, those major fundraising events that were all traditionally in person being canceled, nonprofits were clamoring for cash to keep their lights on and their missions moving. We heard stats like 80% of nonprofits only have enough cash to operate for another month. And with the share of nonprofit fundraising quickly shifting to the digital sphere, we decided to pivot our company to build the best impact-centric fundraising platform out there to help nonprofits and donors reconnect in a meaningful way online. We looked at how nonprofits are raising money online and saw a ton of opportunity to make it more engaging, fun, and impactful. First off, some nonprofits don't even have a donate button on their website, if they even have a website. And if they do, that donate experience is pretty vanilla. Enter the amount you want to donate, put in your information, click submit, and poof. Yeah, we all trust that our donation is going towards a good cause, but donors are left wondering, what's the impact of my donation? Less than one in five new donors ever give again to the same nonprofit. And nonprofits are left asking themselves, how can we engage new donors? We looked at this problem and spent over a year interviewing nonprofit leaders and fundraising experts to inform the design of MatchNice. And we've designed the first impact-centric fundraising platform that's ready to disrupt the donate button. We've spent over a year researching and designing our solution with and for nonprofits and donors and have designed a new kind of platform that lets nonprofits share initiatives that they're working on and how much money they need to succeed and lets donors explore and donate to those initiatives through pop-up enabled impact stores that sit directly on the nonprofit site. We've taken a human-centered design approach for our product, and I'm so proud of how far we've come since the idea first sparked for me three years ago. We've gone through at least a hundred different iterations of our prototype and pitch deck, are partnered with a top-notch software development agency, have some kick-ass advisors in our corner, and have a ready-to-develop prototype that's ready for coding. Right now, we're a pre-money startup in fundraising mode seeking the capital we need to take MatchNice and our mission to the market. So that's the quick elevator pitch. And now back to the purpose of this podcast, the Nonprofit Lab. This is a channel where we can share our startup journey of discovery in the nonprofit sector and bring you along for the ride as the MatchNice team and I 
pursue our mission to connect the nonprofit ecosystem and maximize social impact. For me, this podcast is a creative extension and expression of our curiosity and ambitions to help advance the nonprofit sector. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Join me on my next episode where I'll be interviewing Dr. Laura Otten from the Nonprofit Center at LaSalle University. Laura brings over 50 years of experience in the nonprofit sector, is one of our board of advisors, and I'll be tapping into her wealth of experience to uncover some of the history, the trends, the status quo, all the things that are ready to be disrupted in the nonprofit sector. I always like to end things on quotes. So here's my first one. Martin Luther King said that faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. And that's a lot of what this first episode, this prelude feels like. I'm not sure where this will go, but I'm really excited about taking this first step. Be sure to like, and subscribe and follow Match Nice on your socials. Thanks so much for joining. And until next time, be well.